the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. City WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. Now think of the difference, folks, between the Church of Jerusalem and the Church of Laodicea. Far from being self-sufficient and self-dependent, the Church of Jerusalem made sure that they were Christ-centered, not self-centered. They were Christ-dependent, not self-dependent. They remembered His death through the observance of the Lord's Supper. They took it seriously, and they were constantly seeking Him through prayer. Welcome to Verse by Verse Radio. Pastor Steve Kreloff is going to be talking about the church again today. He will be comparing two churches from the New Testament, the church at Jerusalem and the church at Laodicea. If you know much about the Bible, you can probably imagine where this message is going to take us. We would probably like to think that we are more like Jerusalem than we are Laodicea. However, self manages to creep into a lot of the things we do in our work, in our homes, and in our churches. It doesn't take long before we become totally absorbed in ourselves, our needs, our desires, what it takes to make us happy. If you have been listening to this series, you've already heard some of the characteristics that describe a healthy church. It would be awesome if every church had all of these characteristics. Unfortunately, we all have a lot of things that we need to be working on and we need to stay vigilant about. Verse by Verse is a ministry that communicates the clear teaching of God's Word in language you can understand. We're glad you are listening with us. Here's Pastor Steve with today's message. See, one of the marks of a healthy local church is that we constantly look to Him and depend upon Him, not ourselves. And frankly, that is a great challenge. That is a great challenge to every Christian. We face that as individuals. We also face it as a local church. All evangelical churches face this because it's relatively easy to talk and preach about Jesus as Lord, as the all-sufficient one, but in reality, to lean upon ourselves and leave him out of our daily issues. The Bible warns us about the danger of doing this by highlighting a self-sufficient church, profiling a church that was just like this as a warning to us not to be like this in our own lives and in our church life. So I invite you to look at Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. We read in verse 14, to the angel, an angel here probably means like the leading pastor, the, the pastor teacher, the primary speaker in the church. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, Write the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, says this. Now, this verse introduces us to a church that existed in the first century in a city called Laodicea, now in modern Turkey, but then called Asia Minor. 
Here's a city called Laodicea. As you'll recall, in our recent State of the Church address, we looked at another one of these churches that are mentioned in the book of Revelation, the church at Ephesus. That's the church that had left its first love. But even though the Ephesians had grown cold in their love for Christ, the Lord still commended them for some things, as as you'll remember. He commended them for their hard work of doing good deeds and their stand against evil and false teachers. There was something good about uh, that the Lord could say about the church at Ephesus. But concerning the church at Laodicea, and there are seven of them mentioned in Revelation 2 and 3, the Lord has absolutely nothing good to say about them. This is the only church that he says nothing good about them. There's nothing to commend them for. Of all seven churches, with this church alone, nothing good to say. And the reason for such harsh condemnation for this church at Laodicea is that the entire congregation, not just a few people, the entire congregation had become self-sufficient and self-reliant. There wasn't anybody in this church that wasn't like this. Now, they may have talked about Jesus. They must have preached the Bible. But they were simply going through the motions of playing church. They were totally independent of Christ. They were a true independent church. As they lived their lives as if Jesus didn't even exist. Now, let me show you the problem with the church at Laodicea and how Christ's message to them challenges us as individual believers And as a church body, it challenges us to be focused on him and to be centered on him, not simply in word only, but in deed. Verses 15 and 16, Jesus said, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold or neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And the Lord says that this church was lukewarm spiritually because their their works indicated that they weren't hot. What does that mean? It means that they had no heart for him, no no fire going on in their in their hearts, no passion, no zeal, no enthusiasm for him. They were spiritually listless. But on the other hand, he said, you're not cold for me either. What does that mean? Well, it means they weren't unresponsive. They weren't totally unresponsive. They weren't totally unconcerned about the things of God. They weren't cold, freezing in their hearts. They weren't antagonistic towards him. Instead, the Lord characterizes this church as lukewarm, as tepid, neither hot nor cold. And note this. He says it nauseates him. It nauseates him to the point that he's going to spit them out literally. It means, and I don't want to ruin your appetite for lunch, but I'm going to vomit you out. The flu, the bug that many of you have had, that's what was going on. The Lord would have vomited them out of his mouth. Now, let me explain, because they understood exactly what he was talking about. And a little bit of background will help us to understand this. The city of Laodicea was located near two other cities of that day. And those two other cities were noted for their special sources of water. There was the city of Hierapolis. That was noted for its hot medicinal springs that that offered therapeutic healing for people. The nearby city of Colossae, we have a book to the Colossians. Colossae was noted for its cold springs that offered refreshment to people. 
But the city of Laodicea had its water piped in through an aqueduct that was about four miles away. And by the time it reached this town, it was disgustingly lukewarm. One writer described Laodicea's lukewarm mineral water as so unsavory that visitors to the city often vomited after drinking it. That's the imagery. And that's precisely what Jesus said was his reaction to the lukewarmness of this church at Laodicea. Listen, nobody likes lukewarm water. At least I don't know anybody who does. If you like coffee, you want a hot cup of coffee. If you want iced tea, you want it really cold. This lukewarmness of the church at Laodicea, Jesus said that in their hearts, their spiritual condition was like the water of this city. It was lukewarm. And their lukewarm hearts made him nauseous, and therefore he was going to vomit them out of his mouth. Now, what did he mean by by this? That's a rather graphic way of putting it. Well, he certainly didn't mean that he was going to cast them away from him in the sense that they would lose their salvation. And we say that with great dogmatism and authority because Jesus has promised in his word that he who comes to me, I will never, ever cast out. We come to him for salvation. Listen very carefully. For a church to be spit up, to be spit out, vomited out of Christ's mouth is for the Lord to spit it out of existence. It's gone. He removes it as a witness for him because in reality it is no longer a witness for him other than name only. It's become a useless, ineffective church. And since it serves no godly purpose, it's good for nothing. And it makes Jesus sick, if we could put it that way. Lukewarmness is the one sin that makes the Lord sick to the point that he just vomits it away. To my knowledge, the city doesn't exist. This church doesn't exist anymore. Now, that was the situation with the Laodiceans. They had become half-hearted about Jesus, not enthusiastic, but as I said, not antagonistic either. Just a church playing their little Sunday religious games. They were content to believe in Christ. They probably had very sound doctrine. They were content to attend church services, but they were indifferent to biblical truth and the application of that truth in their lives. Absolutely indifferent. So what was the problem? How does the church get like this? Why was this church like this? What was the underlying attitude that led these people to become so apathetic and spiritually listless? It didn't happen in a vacuum. There is a reason for this. They were self-sufficient and no longer dependent upon Christ for a reason. They had essentially removed Jesus from the church. There are two verses that explain what their problem was, and these two verses are very important for us. Notice verse 17. The Lord goes on to say, Because you say, I'm rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. What the Lord reveals here is that the people of this church were self-satisfied churchgoers. Now, let me explain. Most of the people who lived in Laodicea were very wealthy people. They were well-off financially. The people in the church were well-off. The people who were unbelievers were well-off. Why? Because this city 
prospered like very few cities in the ancient world. It was a major trade route that went right through the city. It was a banking center. It was a manufacturer of clothing from the wool of the valuable sheep that grazed in that area. And they also had a, a medical school there. They specialized in eye salve, taking care of the eyes. It was a wealthy, wealthy community. In fact, you know how wealthy? In A.D. 17, this area was hit by a severe earthquake. It essentially destroyed the city. Rome said, we will help you to rebuild the city. Here's some money. We offer everything we can. The citizens of Laodicea said, keep your money. We don't need your money. We don't need any outside help. We'll do it ourselves. And that's exactly what happened. They rebuilt this city with their own resources. They didn't want anyone's help. They didn't need anyone's help. They turned it away. Their money made them feel like they could do anything they wanted, and they were not dependent on any outside source. They refused, if we could put it this way, government aid. Listen, that same independent, self-reliant attitude infected and contaminated this church, which is often the case. Culture comes into the church, have to fight it all the time. And as a result of being monetarily wealthy, this congregation had fallen into the tragic attitude of thinking that they no longer needed God's help. Now, I don't think they would have verbalized it that way, but that's exactly their attitude. See, they equated their material prosperity with godly success. But the truth of the matter is that they were far from godly. Notice what Jesus tells them at the end of verse 17. You say, or he said, you say that we are, notice what they said about themselves, because you say I'm rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. You don't know the truth about yourself. What, the, what is the truth about them? He said, you're really wretched. You're miserable. You're poor. You're blind. You're naked. What he means is that's what you are spiritually. In other words, they thought that their money made them something in God's eyes. But in reality, in God's eyes, there were nothing but self-deceived people who didn't realize how impoverished they really were and their true spiritual needs. Folks, understand this. Churches where its members have a great deal of money and social prominence are always susceptible to spiritual pride. Always susceptible. There's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing even wrong with having social prominence. But those congregations who have a lot of wealthy people are very, very susceptible to spiritual arrogance. And if they're not careful, they can equate their material success with spiritual success and be guilty of wicked arrogance, wicked pride. The pride of the Laodicean church led them to something that was so horrible. And this is the great danger. So horrible, it's shameful and shocking. They actually excluded the Lord from his own church. We, we know this was the case because of what he says in verse 20. This is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. If you understand what he's really saying, I don't think a lot of Christians understand this. So I want you to know what he means by this verse. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. 
This verse is often used to describe our salvation experience of opening our hearts to Christ and letting him come in. And that's and that's not a bad visual because that is essentially what happens when we're saved. We do open our hearts to the Lord. We do let him come in. But that's not what this verse is saying. It's not what Jesus is saying here. In its context, this is a statement about Jesus Christ being outside of his own church, knocking on the front door and seeking to come in. See, this self-sufficient attitude of the Laodiceans had led them to do something that is so amazing, so shocking, they actually evicted the Lord from his own church. That's the imagery here. That's the visual. The Lord is standing He's pictured as knocking on the front door of the church, seeking to gain entrance back into his own church, the church that he died for, the church that he loves. And he says, if anyone, not even the whole congregation, if anyone, any individual would actually hear his voice, hear him knocking on the outside and would open the door, he says he'll come in and dine with him. His word for dine speaks of the main meal of the day. It was not a Big Mac. This is a sit-down, leisurely, relaxing meal of fellowship. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and I'll dine with him in a relaxed atmosphere of precious fellowship. He'll enter the fellowship with those who welcome him back into his own church. Now think of the difference, folks, between the church of Jerusalem and the church of Laodicea, far from being self-sufficient and self-dependent, the church of Jerusalem made sure that they were Christ-centered, not self-centered. They were Christ-dependent, not self-dependent. They remembered his death through the observance of the Lord's Supper. They took it seriously, and they were constantly seeking him through prayer. That's precisely the way we need to be at Lakeside. See, the great temptation that we always face is to come to the point where we don't think we need the Lord anymore. Now, someone may say, oh, that that will never happen, never happen here at Lakeside. Well, maybe not consciously, but without realizing it, we can easily fall into that attitude. Hell, let me let me explain. Let me give you some examples. Every time or any time we might have a church financial crisis, if The first thing we do, and I mean the first thing we do, rather than praying and seeking the Lord is to call some type of committee meeting or a congregational meeting and then try to figure out what we're going to do, that's excluding the Lord. Now, it's not wrong to call a committee meeting. It's not wrong to call a congregational meeting and explain things to you. It's not wrong to go back to the budget and try to figure it out. But it is wrong if we haven't prayed first. It is wrong if we've excluded the Lord and the first thing we're doing is trying to figure figure it out on our own strength and wisdom. That's excluding him. Oh, yeah, we might pray. But after we've gone through all the other things. Or if there's a great need for helpers in a certain ministry. We always have needs for helpers in ministry. And if the very first thing we do is say, well, let's put an announcement in the bulletin without even considering to get on our knees and first take this need to the Lord in prayer. That's excluding him. Now, there's nothing wrong with putting something in the bulletin saying we have a need in the ministry. But it is wrong if we haven't first sought him and all we're doing is going to an announcement about it. Or we may make certain decisions about future ministry plans. 
that's fine. But if we do that without first waiting upon the Lord for his guidance and wisdom, that is excluding him. And it's not simply as a church body that we might do this. It's individuals. We are tempted to do this all the time. In fact, just today, I realized that with my knee injury, I had done this to the Lord. This happened yesterday after I ran. I am supposed to run in a marathon in three weeks. And um, all I could think about are my plans have changed and what am I going to do and how am I going to how am I going to go upstairs and study and all, all these things? And yes, I had prayed about it, but you know what? I'm a living illustration of excluding the Lord because I did not consider all that the Lord wants to teach me through this. I did not consider what I tell others to consider, Romans 8.28. How is this Lord going to work together for my good? What are the lessons you have for me? How will you build Christ-like character in this? Oh, oh yes, you said to rejoice always. I just preached about that. Am I rejoicing? You said to give thanks in all things. Oh, that's right. That's in your word, too. So I'm, I'm just saying it's very easy. I said this to Michelle this morning. I said, you know what? I'm guilty of exactly what the Laodiceans did. And she said, you're going to tell that to the congregation? And that's why she is my conscience. And uh, so I'm telling this to you to illustrate that all of us can do this. It is easy to speak the words of leaning upon the Lord and yet in reality look to our own understanding. Now, listen, the church at Jerusalem is a great model for us to follow because this was a church that was totally Christ centered. Jesus was at the center of all their thinking, all their decision making. The apostles led them in that direction, and by God's grace, the apostles still lead us to do that through God's word. This church looked to him to meet their needs rather than man-made solutions. You know what we call man-made solutions? a big word, pragmatism. It simply means if it works, let's do it. That's how many churches operate. That is not how we are to operate. That is not how the Bible tells us to operate. We are to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This church at Jerusalem understood what we need to understand, that spiritual success is far different than material success. In fact, these Jerusalem believers were very, very poor, in contrast to the Laodicean believers. May the Lord help us individually and collectively to depend on him rather than man-centered human wisdom. And if Christ is not your Savior, then the picture of him knocking at the door of the church at Laodicea, that's an appropriate one. That's an appropriate one for you to understand that he desires to gain entrance into your life. He desires that you would open the door of your heart to him. And you know what? The way to do this is by repenting of your sin, forsaking your sin of being self-sufficient and dependence upon him only for your salvation. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for revealing to us this wonderful church. Lord, my prayer, our prayer, is that we might be like the church at Jerusalem in principle, teaching the word, receiving the word to hungry hearts, loving one another to the point where we we give, not we simply talk about love, but we give and we sacrifice and we treat each other as family members. And Lord, may we be Christ-centered, not, not only in our words, but in our actions. 
May we lean upon you. May we recognize that we are to lean upon you for everything. As a church body, may, may our elders lean upon you, our deacons, deaconesses, staff, all of us, and, and every, every ministry leader, lean upon you. Be on our knees looking to your help. For without me, you said, we can do nothing. Nothing of any spiritual value. And I pray, Lord, individually we'll take this to heart, too. That we'll not take matters into our own hands. That we'll not lean on our own understanding, but look to you and consider exactly why you bring adverse circumstances into our lives. May we have a godly perspective on everything. And I pray for those who don't know you, Lord. May they open their hearts to you and let you come in so that you might save them for all of eternity. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. It is absolutely essential that we seek the Lord and stop relying on ourselves. That alone would change our lives and our churches. Verse by Verse is a radio ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel of Clearwater, Florida. We would love for you to visit us sometime. Why not check out our website, versebyverseradio.org, to find the resources that we have made available to you to help you in your growth with the Lord. You can sign up for our newsletter, download messages, or listen to messages right there online. We are so thankful for all of you who give to help us keep this ministry on the air. If you haven't given yet, pray about sending a gift of any amount. You can do this online, by mail, or over the phone. The phone number is 727-239-0306. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.